Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. This is a podcast where John Sekotowski, Nick Gibson, and me, Andy Schmidt, discuss some of the hard theological and cultural topics in the Bible, bringing three different perspectives from three different generations. Nick Gibson's not here today, and we have somebody way better. Uh, Beth, <laughs> Beth Flaherty Peterson, right? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so you'll get a chance to introduce yourself. Well, I guess you just want to introduce yourself right now. Who are you? How do we know you? And sure. yeah, what do I'm you do? Beth Flaherty Peterson. I my dad is another area pastor here in Madison. Um, I have an interest in Myers Briggs and personality typology, which is what we're going to be discussing today. So uh, yeah, they asked me to come on board. Yeah, you uh, you might you might know her father from a recent Optive podcast, uh, yeah. where Tom Flaherty and Nick Gibson discuss spiritual things. Charismatic Church. Here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. You might think to yourself, okay, this is a theological and cultural topic-based podcast. Why? We're specifically, be about the specifically, specifically with the addendum from the Bible. From the Bible, exactly. <laughs> so why are we talking about? The Myers-Briggs, they were going to be talking about the Myers-Briggs, just to clarify. And why are we talking about the Myers-Briggs? Because here's why I thought to talk about the Myers-Briggs. One day, John sent me a like PDF thing on my phone or whatever, just like written stuff. And it's it was about the Myers- words. <laughs> written words on personality tests, the Myers-Briggs. And I was like, I read through this and I was like, whoever like... They, they just like whoever wrote this just understands me and they know me and they've and they've described all these things about personality and i knew what the enneagram was but i did not know what the myers-briggs was really and so i was like john did you like did you get this off of the internet did you get this off the, the myers-briggs website and he was like no 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 i got this from beth and i was like beth is a genius and we need to have her on the podcast to talk about personality types because I think one of the biggest things in my life up until this point in understanding like who I am and like what and like why God created me the way he created me is that I've used some of these personality tests and been like, okay, that makes sense. That's why I respond to this situation this way. Or that's why I respond to like certain traumatic things in my past the way that I've responded to them. And so while this isn't directly from the Bible, I don't think that it like, I don't think like, I think that it can be extremely helpful with people in their walk with Christ. Um, and understanding who they are. It's been helpful for me. And, and I think John, I mean, it feels like it's been helpful for you. And yeah, so- yeah, it's been helpful for me too. And I mean, it's even, even something that I think is helpful context for this is like, Beth, how your guys' family started getting into this was from like your parents having conflict with one another and that sort of getting helped by figuring out personality type stuff, right? Very possibly. And so it was a long oh, time great. ago. <laughs> to, this is what I, I was told from other people. Exactly how so started. <laughs> Should we say that Beth is Christina's sister and John is married to Christina? Just for the sake this, of people knowing. Um, this, yes, this is true. So here's my first question. Let's get right into it. Yeah. I want to know. So at the most basic level, and either of you can answer this. I don't care who answers this. Like, what is the the Myers Briggs? What is the purpose for it? And like, because each each like you, the Enneagram does has a certain set of like things that it focuses on. What does the Myers Briggs focus on? Like, what is it? 
Yeah, so the Myers-Briggs, at its most basic level, um, identifies your preferences on each of four different personality dimensions, right? There's, should I get into those now? Yes, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, okay, so first is introverted versus extroverted, and this is kind of a well-known trait distinction. It's basically, is are you more oriented toward speaking and acting more directly engaged in the outer world or is your primary mode of being focused more internally in the world of thought and reflection right is it more are you more reserved or outgoing basically is the first distinction and then the second function is called the perceiving function myers-briggs makes a distinction between intuitive versus sensing and your sensors are going to be more interested in perceiving the concrete details of the world around them, right? They're more engaged in what's real, what's tangible, what can be touched and felt. And your intuitives are more interesting in kind of perceiving past that to higher level concepts of what does it all mean and kind of more a lot philosophical. Exactly. So yeah. they're more interested in abstract ideas. So if you uh, if you think about N's versus S's in school, your S's are going to be more aware of the social norms. They're going to pay more attention to what they're wearing. And uh, the N's are going to be a little bit more out there, kind of. <laughs> little. <laughs> the the word you're looking for is weird. Right. Tend to be a little more nerdy, a little more eccentric, because they're kind of less interested in what they're wearing or the concrete details of life. You said the the N. N is, uh, I already forgot. What is N? Intuitive is what it stands for. So it's kind of, they're they're less interested in things that can be immediately seen and the concrete details of life. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes. And then the third distinction is called the the judging preference and <coughs> feeling versus thinking. So when it comes to making decisions, setting values, um, how do you how do you do that? The feelers are gonna base it more around how they're feeling what they value, what they want, and it's going to be more emotional. And for the thinkers, they're going to approach decision-making more logically from a standpoint of what is true, what is false, what is logical, what is valid, as opposed to, well, what do I desire or what's more valuable? Mm -hmm. So that's another distinction. Um, A lot of times you have more more men who are T's and more women who are F's. So mm-hmm. at gender, this is where we get, well, that's not the only reason, but <laughs> uh, so this gets associated with gender a lot, this this distinction between feeling and thinking. Yeah, because I think it's, it's, like, it's like 70, 30 or 60, 40 for both of those on either side. So it's like men tend to like, it's like 70% tend to be thinkers. Women, about 70% tend to be feelers. So it's, yeah, the distribution sort of break right. yep. along gender lines. And then the last, the last dimension that Myers-Briggs lays out is perceiving versus judging. 
And technically this relates to whether your it's your feeling function or your perceiving function that is extroverted. Which one do you show to the outer world? But basically, if you don't want to get into the technicalities of all that, it kind of relates to how do you prefer to to live your life? Do you prefer to have things decided and settled? Or do you prefer mm-hmm. to leave your options open? Right. It's you, like, are you more interested in exploring possibilities versus arriving at those clear judgments? Yeah, it's like the difference between like like a planner and somebody who just kind of leaves their schedule open. So yeah. like the difference between me and John. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it feels although, like. although, although we do both come up as peas on the Myers-Briggs. So interesting. But but to agree to a degree you're not wrong. Yeah. But I think right. uh, that's the yeah, one think, thing about you that makes me so mad that you always have to have a plan. And so <laughs> I, yeah, I, that makes sense. So I think what's, I think what's helpful here is, yeah. So what Beth is saying is um, I think is the Myers-Briggs that a lot of people know like this is, so what I think the, the way that people have tended to approach the Myers-Briggs has come from, come from this angle, like where they, okay, they look at each distinction between each of the two letters and they're like, okay, am I more introverted, extroverted? Am I more thinker, feeler? Am I more intuitive, sensor? Um, and they kind of come up with their letters based on looking at the, di- the dichotomies between those. I think the thing that felt really helpful to me and that, that felt like um, it kind of helped deepen the Myers-Briggs uh, was, were these articles that... Beth wrote that like me and Christina were on a road trip and we were coming back from somewhere and we just read through these articles, which is um, kind of breaking it down more from, as opposed to just looking at those, those four dimensions and like, okay, on each of those dimensions, where do I, where do I lay looking like breaking it down into, into cognitive functions, um, which is like the, yeah, which is breaking it into, okay. So on each of the, in each of the perceiving functions that Beth is talking about, so sensing and intuition, and in each of the judging functions that Beth is talking about, feeling and thinking, that there's an introverted and extroverted form of these. And so for each of those eight total functions, there is a, like you have a preference between them and you have a certain order in which you use them. And I think- um, The stacks, this is- Right. Right, so you wanna explain the stacks. Dude, let's explain the stacks. Beth, do you so I feel like that's like the, the the first thing you should explain is the stacks, right? Yeah, I mean, I sure. think I think the stacks are great and very important. <laughs> and and to me, it was to me this was really really helpful in like um, I think I think what can be helpful about the stack is like your you can get a better sense of okay, this is how I tend to engage with the world, and this is sort of my order of preference that I tend to engage with the world, um, and then like this sort of validates to a degree like other people's way of engaging with the world. Like Andy, I remember you saying that this was helpful to you because you were like, okay, this explains, I, I feel like I have a little bit more language to explain myself to other people. So other people don't need to think I'm just insane. Like, yes. no, I, yeah. I like, I make sense. My way of operating the world makes sense. It's not just like a, okay, I'm, I'm immature or I'm mature. I mean, I think obviously there are shades right. of immaturity and maturity with how you use any yeah. of these quote-unquote common cognitive but there functions, seems but... to be like social norms that get more associated with maturity and like certain personality types are outside of the social norms and then society just assumes they're immature right right yeah so that and i don't know that's not fair and that's why i think this is helpful 
for people to understand not just their own personality, but to understand other people's personalities. Right. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think one of the one of the big criticisms uh, that people have with the Myers-Briggs when they just look at, oh, it's about these four letter distinctions is that they feel like they're both and they can't be put into a box. And the Myers-Briggs is trying to say, oh, no, you may be you may be kind of extroverted, kind of introverted, but we're saying that you're an extroverted. So that's mm-hmm. the end of the discussion. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about getting into the cognitive functions in this stack is that it's it's showing you that, yes, you do have both of these traits, but the way your four letters come together kind of highlights a different path and a different trajectory through life um, Mm -hmm. than somebody whose letters are different. So the cognitive functions, the first one, the one that you're most used to is called the hero function. And this is kind of your natural mode of being. And it's, um, if you're an introvert, it'll be an introverted function. If you're an extrovert, it'll be an extroverted function. For me, mine is introverted thinking, which cares about being precise and kind of getting into the and sorting information according to what's true and what's false, Mm -hmm. what's logical and getting that all sorted out. So this is one of the reasons that I like the Myers-Briggs so much and getting into personality typology is I get to kind of explore ideas, which is my second function. And I get to put them in order and kind of make sense yeah. of them. Um, and it's so maybe a or maybe maybe a brief thing to just say here is yeah. that like the way the way that this is being structured when we're saying when she's saying that her her, her first function is introverted thinking is so there are the the theory at least of these papers is that there are there are eight cognitive functions that you use to interact with the world. Everybody has all of them. But you use these different cognitive functions in a in a, kind of like a in order of priority. So you have four that you tend to prefer, and this is what's called your quote unquote stack is that your top four cognitive functions. So these are things like introverted or extroverted thinking, introverted or extroverted feeling, introverted or extroverted intuition, and introverted or extroverted sensing. So you'll use four of those. You'll have you'll have one from each of those in your top stack. So you'll have one intuitive function, one sensing function, one feeling function, one thinking function in your top, either introverted or extroverted for each of those. And then you'll have one of each of those in your quote unquote shadow stack or like your the your bottom four, the ones that you tend to, to not prefer to use to engage with the world. So everybody has everybody has and utilizes all of the functions. The, the question is, what four do you tend to prefer to use and in what order do the, are those laid out? So which one do you first tend to engage with the world with, second, third, fourth, et cetera? Um, so I think what's, yeah, I think what's helpful about that is it, it gives you like, yeah, it gives you a sense of, okay, this is this, like, like Beth was saying, like introverted thinking being her primary function makes sense of like why she tends to want to like take in these ideas and like ruminate on them and like make them precise. And um, so I think- So an extroverted yes, thinker doesn't an introverted thinker wants to make make sense in order of of ideas and thoughts mm-hmm. and an extroverted thinker wants to connect ideas and thoughts but that's not necessarily make order of them make uh actually so the the way i like to think about it is introverted thinking cares more about 
what makes sense to me? How can I analyze this in a way that I understand it and it's logical and clear? And it's X because my thinking is introverted, right? It's internal oriented. It's more sorting my own ideas so that they make sense to me. And then an extroverted thinker cares more about taking that logic and applying it to the outer worlds or shared systems of thought. An extroverted thinker cares more about what is clear and efficient and what works. So uh, kind of a, a nice example here is that John has extroverted thinking in his preferred stack. So he's good at giving that high level kind of clarity. I'm going to lay out what the big idea is here and kind of approach it in an organized way so that you can understand it. Whereas my introverted thinking is more interested in kind of the nuance um, and getting to precise terms uh, that may be less clear and less accessible to someone else. So it's very useful to have John with us. Do you think I have extroverted thinking in my stack? I was just about to ask that because I don't think... think because we we had landed on me being an STP, correct? You're right. Uh, no, you don't have extroverted thinking thinking in your stack. So, however, I, I that everything that I that just said. Yeah. However, it was a good example of what yeah. an extroverted thinker would do. If only if John was an extroverted thinker. I think I'm an extroverted thinker. Yeah. I think that's true. I think I'm sure it's extroverted. So this so, might so something that might be helpful to do is as you're listening to this podcast, in order to like make this make this sort of tangible for you. As you're listening to this podcast, what can be helpful is so we're going to go through a couple distinctions uh, between each of the each of the functions and what might be helpful is to like think to yourself, okay, do I cuz you're between each of these functions, so like introverted and extroverted thinking, you're going to have one and the other is going to be in your bottom stack. So you might think to yourself, okay, between these two, which one do I tend to prefer? Do I tend to think in an introverted way that I'm more concerned about like internal logical consistency, or do I think more in an extroverted way that I'm more concerned with like, okay, kind of getting like getting getting the thing moving or like kind of like putting things in place and like making the system run. Like a like a an example of this is, I mean, my wife Christina is her hero function. So that her top function, the the language that we use for that is hero function. Her top function is extroverted thinking. So she tends to like when when a party is happening, she like keeps things moving. She keeps things on schedule. She's like making sure that the the food is out and the dishes are cleaned and like she's making it happen. And I would say, logical structure to her surroundings. I would say right. a more popular a more popular example of this would be would be like Donald Trump. And, and while people might be like, I don't want to be like Donald Trump, I think that that's like a, a more popular example of somebody who is an ex- external thinker, right? Am I wrong about that? Um, I don't know. If, I don't know for sure that Donald Trump is an extroverted thinker. I think he's probably an STP. I think he's an ESTP, which would not mean he's an extroverted thinker. Um, right, he would be more of an extroverted feel. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. So there's kind of, there are kind of two ways to approach talking about the functions. Like you can either on the one hand talk about, okay, let's talk about thinking. Do you do it introverted, extroverted? Let's talk about feeling. Do you introverted, extroverted, sensing, intuition. The other way that you can approach it is you can approach it as like, okay, everybody has, okay. Th- yeah. This is all getting a little convoluted right now, but so everybody <laughs> has, everybody has one extroverted judging function. Everybody has one introverted judging function. Everybody has one extroverted um, 
extroverted perceiving function, and everybody has one introverted perceiving function. So you can either look at them on the basis of, okay, let's look at the extroverted judging functions and which do you tend to use. Let's look at the introverted judging functions, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can look at it as, okay, in thinking, which do I tend to do, extroverted or introverted? I actually, so I think it can be helpful to look at it from the perspective of, okay, which extroverted judging function do I tend to use? So your judging function, as, as Beth is explaining, is either the, your, third, your third letter is your judging function. So it's either thinking or feeling. And um, whether or not you use that, so either thinking or feeling, so thinking and feeling are the two judging functions. You use thinking and feeling to judge internally. So to, to like kind of decide within yourself what matters, like what orders things. And you use one of those two judging functions, thinking or feeling to judge things externally. So to judge the world around you. And the two ways to judge externally, since we were just talking about extroverted thinking, is there's either that way, extroverted thinking. So it's kind of like making sure everything is taken care of, making sure everything logically works. Like managers are like your classic extroverted thinkers. Like they're making sure that people have the stuff, that they've got yeah. the tasks, that they're doing the things. Extroverted feeling is more like the quote unquote, like care, especially if you have this high in your stack, would be more of like the quote unquote charismatic leader. It would be kind of getting everybody onto the same feeling, like maybe like rallying the troops oh, to yeah. like get really excited about something together. Or like, like a coach would be like that. Like, like yeah, maybe like a coach would be yeah. like that. It's like using, so it's, it's judging, so it's your external judging function. So it's using, so in the external world, the thing that you're using is feelings so you're using the feelings of people to accomplish your ends which sounds a little manipulative um and in some ways it is but like being manipulative isn't always bad if you're trying to manipulate people to feel better about themselves for example that's right um but uh so this is so th that you can you can maybe look at that distinction is like okay do i tend to do I tend to like, let's say in a group situation, am I going to be the one who's going to tend to be like, okay, let's, let's get this done. Let's make sure we're doing this stuff. Or am I going to tend to be sort of like the hype man and kind of get everybody excited about something? Um, that can be a way to look at those. The problem is if you're kind of like, okay, I'm maybe both or I'm kind of neither. The functions, <laughs> this is getting really convoluted. The functions that you're going to tend to most be clear on are your top two functions. Those are the ones that you're most using to interact with the world. That's your number one judging function and your number one perceiving function. So if you're kind of like, okay, extroverted thinking, extroverted feeling, I'm not really sure because I kind of, I sometimes kind of like order the group, but I sometimes like get people excited. What that might mean is in your top four functions, extroverted thinking or extroverted feeling is within your bottom two. So it's like less clear because you're using it less often, like right. versus so if you're going through these any of these distinctions, you're kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure. Look for the ones that are like the most clear to you, because if you can decide, like if you can just get yeah. your top two functions, the rest of the stack all sort falls of like in falls place. in place based uh -huh. on like how putting the stack together works. Yeah. Well, so that got real confusing. Yeah. But hopefully that was tracked with. <laughs> One of the things that makes this so challenging to think about and to latch on to like, oh, I'm this one or this one, I don't know, they both sound like me, is that a lot of times you can accomplish the same thing. Like mm -hmm. if, if you have introverted thinking, that doesn't mean you can't be clear or bring structure to a task as, as we've seen 
John, bringing a little bit of clarity to this discussion, right? (laughs) You can can accomplish both things. The question, and I think what is easiest to latch onto is what is the motivation behind Mm -hmm. your use of logic? Is it, I want to analyze this so it makes sense to me, which is introverted thinking, or is it, I want to make this work so it's clear and efficient and we can all move on to the next goal? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Okay. So go back to explaining each one kind of step-by-step more in depth. Each, each of the, you know what I mean? So, so like you talked about like the top four on your stack and the bottom four on your stack. Um, I want to get through kind of talking through those because I have a question afterwards that I think is a very good question, but I think we have to discuss what those are and what they mean first. You mean the, the each, role that each function plays in the stack yeah yeah okay, you, so well talk- are you saying andy are you saying like talking through like thinking feeling sensing and intuition or are you talking about like how each each place in the stack has like a different name like the hero function oh no i was talking about the first thing that you said okay hero right. function makes sense but yeah right right, right. yeah great so that was thinking introverted and extroverted versions of it great. okay so introverted and extroverted feeling um, is is going to be more interested in sorting and using information based on the humane content, the emotional content, the value behind it. Extroverted feeling, like we started to get into a little bit earlier, is going to be interested in creating these shared structures of value, getting on the same page, bringing people together, um, using emotion to um to organize the environment to organize Mm -hmm. the emotions around you essentially so to energize people get them on the same page get them interested in what you're interested in bringing harmony and direction kind of through emotions instead of logic would you say that so like i think some of the listeners know tom because he was on the podcast would you say that your dad is like that? No, actually. Oh, well, I'm getting, have... I'm like 0 for 5 so far. Guessing <laughs> what people are. No, <laughs> actually. So my dad, my dad is very extroverted. So you're picking up on that. But his yeah. his extroverted function is actually thinking. It's based on logic. So my dad okay. is interested in getting stuff done, mm-hmm. making things happen, sure. bringing direction sure. to the environment. Okay. Uh, yeah. What you may be picking up on in his emotions, because he does kind of create a, an emotional experience for the people right. around him, but it's not based on getting on the same page as them or getting them on the same page as him emotionally. Yeah. It's really just his own emotion, which is so involved in whatever yeah. task that he's doing and whatever task he's bringing other people into that it's easy to pick up on that. I feel that way. Join in on that. Yeah, I feel that way. That's like, I feel about like yourself. That. Yes. About myself. Well, luckily, Andy, this makes sense with you <laughs> as an extroverted thinker and a introverted feeling. Great. I love being that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess, yeah, continue. Um, so, uh, so one of the ways to tell these apart is just that with the, 
with the extroverted thinker, um, there may be some emotion, but there's a very clear goal. There's a very clear task. There's a structure that they're bringing you into. And with an extroverted feeler, there may not be that kind of um, concrete task that you're doing together. It may just be this emotional feeling that you're sharing. So one of the, one of the, one of the silly names for the ENFJ, which has this extroverted feeling hero function, is the the cult leader, right? Because they're really interested in getting you to follow, to catch their emotional vision and be on that same page, even if they're not like taking you anywhere specific in terms of what are we doing here mm -hmm. it's more about what are we feeling here yeah so yeah interesting so do you have any like clear examples of somebody that that is like a extroverted feeler i i don't know anybody that's an extroverted feeler i'm, try I'm trying to think through whenever when you guys talked about this i try to think of people that i know or that yeah. i've like that are famous so then it might give somebody a better idea of what this looks like mm-hmm yeah, so extroverted feelers, um, I mean, like classic, I mean, so, I'm mean, yeah. The the kind of most classic example that tends to come up when you look on like the Myers-Briggs personality profiles for these is like Oprah Winfrey is an extroverted oh, yeah. feeler. Like she's, she's okay. very excited about getting everybody excited. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> as opposed to, as opposed to like trying to logically like make sure everybody's in the same place or or in your example of donald trump like his his presence at rallies seems relatively yeah. extroverted feeling to me yeah. um something like that okay that makes sense so what's the next one um well we didn't really talk about the difference between extroverted feeling and introverted feeling introverted feeling um a little bit more like introverted thinking is going to be mm -hmm. directed inwardly um, but because it's a feeling function it's going to be interested more in um what do i feel about all of these things and how do my values fit together and what is the appropriate uh and most genuine feeling that I have about all about life, about all of the things that I value. Um, so it's, it's very good at, uh, it's very self-aware of its own emotions. Um, when this is high in your stack, when it's one of your preferred functions, um, very in touch with feelings and with the authentic way that you, um, respond to the world around you. Yeah. So I have a quick, I have a quick question about, about identifying these things in mm -hmm. oneself, uh, because we were having a conversation, um, me and John and some other people last weekend talking through the Myers-Briggs and it, it, in some cases it feels like people part of, that are part of a certain generation. So the millennial generation is very focused the millennials, I'm not a millennial, by the way, I need to make that clear. I do not want to be a millennial. I am not a millennial. Um, but the millennials, they're very, like generally are very focused on like being compassionate and caring and helping people and stuff like that. So, so and, and every generation and every group of people has their own like things that they're, they're more focused on. So when you're looking at these things and you're trying to figure out what you are, how can you honestly do that? Like without, without, bringing in the bias of who you want to be into yeah. who you are. 
So, so that's always challenging. Um, one, one way to tell between introverted feeling and extroverted feeling is just like how much you hate people who are inauthentic or just hate expressions that seem, oh, like they're trying to make you feel something. An introverted feeler is very interested in being authentic and in holding fast to their own values. Um, an extroverted feeler is more interested in in getting on the same page is actually an extroverted feeler tends to like that kind of shared feeling um, a lot more than an introverted feeler does. Uh, so that's one way to tell it's yeah, but it's always hard yeah. to, to nail down these in terms that are precise enough. Right. Right. Yeah. So the next, so I guess, I guess the next one, so we talked about thinking and we talked about feeling mm -hmm. the next one is judging. Correct. We've got, yeah, uh, per the perceiving functions perceiving, are next, perceiving. which are sensing and intuition. Sensing and intuition. Okay, explain Over those. Over six. I am so bad. <laughs> Just kidding. I, <laughs> okay, uh, so kind, yeah. kind of the easiest to function to understand and explain here is extroverted sensing. Which um, kind of the motivation behind this function is just experience the experience, just engage with what's around you, with what's there, with the shared world. I mean, the trouble that people sometimes have when you explain it is like, well, what else is there? Like that, that's just living life, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially if you ask an SP. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so this is this is interested in engaging with the experience exploring what's there sometimes pushing the boundaries um people who like who have extroverted sensing high in their stack are they like taking risks uh a lot of times they they like sensation and kind of some like daredevil and type of people yeah yeah totally yeah. totally it's like yeah, yeah wanting to do new hey, things for just seven. for the sake Hey, it's good. It's good. You're on the board. But yeah, I'm, feeling, like I'm feeling good now. Wanting to do experiences just for the sake of a new experience, like just for the yeah. sake of of feeling a new, like a new sensation. Um, so yeah. can I connect real quick? I'm going to try to connect it to the Enneagram real quick. Oh boy. Would you say that somebody who wants to feel those experiences, that would be able to connect well with the seven Enneagram? Yep. Yeah, and so you would see that as a hero. That would be there. That would be a hero function for a lot of sevens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots yeah. of lots of ESXPs are sevens. I'm, I'm feeling good now. Yeah, that was, that was nice, Andy. That was nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I think what is, and I mean, this is something that we could potentially do at some other point too. I think something that is helpful about, like, again, all these all of these personality types and things like that are 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 helpful if you like keep them in their lane, you know, like as long as you aren't using these personality types, like I think, I think a common thing that irritates people about personality types like these is they're like, Oh, you know, people just use them as justifications for their behavior or to like, um, it's just like, Oh, I just am this thing. So this is how yeah. I am. And I, I think people can, people do want language to explain themselves and people do want language for themselves internally to like understand themselves. And so I think it can be really easy to then let yourself like be boxed into these certain things. Um, so I think any, so yeah, just a brief aside that even as we're, as we're like, you know, connecting the Enneagram to the Myers-Briggs and, Oh, this is exciting. Like right. these things are tools that are meant to like give us more language for explaining ourselves, explaining one another. Um, but yeah. they aren't meant to be like, okay, this means, this means person listening. 
if you have these functions, this is just what you are, you know, like this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that. Yeah. And I'll get to a question that I have on that more specifically once we get through these last couple on the stack. So if you want to keep going, sure. We interrupt you like every time. So no worries. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So in, so the other sensing function in contrast to extroverted sensing is introverted sensing. And this one can be a little bit trickier to understand because it's inward directed and it's interested in concrete details. But what that winds up meaning is that introverted sensors kind of, they're interested in the concrete experience that they're having, but they're especially interested in making sure that it lines up kind of with their concrete expectations of what that experience should be or what they're familiar with from the past. So they've kind of built this sense of what's normal and what's usual and what's expected. Um, They've gathered those from their sense perceptions that they've had in the past, and then they kind of run their current experience through that filter and they're more comfortable if it lines up. So this is actually kind of the most common type. um, If you have introverted sensing preferred in your top two functions, then you wind up being an SJ in your, in your letter code. And um, so these people are very interested in following rules and in following norms and in kind of making sure that, everything that's going on is as it should be. So they're less, ex- they're less interested in just experiencing the experience as it is, uh, like the extroverted sensor. And they're more interested right. in making sure that it's proper and comfortable and appropriate. Yeah. So kind of a, a funny example of this is um, that some of our podcast listeners will know Erin Hesse at High Point Church. She is a ESTJ. And um, we recently were at a staff retreat at Devil's Lake and we were playing a game of spike ball and it was her first time playing in years and her and I were on a team and um, we had been playing a couple games at this point and our sets had always been like next to one another on the net. Then there was one play where I had to set the spike ball over the net to her and she like froze, didn't know what to do. And when we kind of like broke it down sort of jokingly, she was like, I just hadn't experienced that you had never said it over the net to me before so i didn't know what to do like that's that's like a sort of funny example of introverted sensing at work that it's just this like it needs to sort of line up with a past experience so what this doesn't mean what this doesn't mean is people who have introverted sensing are just boring rule followers like it's it's more (laughs) that it follows your previous experiences so let's say growing up you grew up in a family that always motocrossed like then maybe your familiar experience is motocross. So like it would appear very like and, something yeah. that's daring and stuff like that. But it, it's it's because it's like the thing, like you're used to experiencing that thing. So you're going to continue to seek to experience that thing. Um, but it is like very, or like another example of this might be like, if somebody really loves camping, like an extroverted sensor might approach camping in like, they want to do camping in like different areas or like they want to experience different things while they're camping versus somebody who's like an introverted sensing camper. Like they're like, Oh no, what do you mean? Like I might have extroverted sensing because I love to camp. It's like, well, but you love to camp because it's the thing you're familiar with and you like to do. Um, so there's a, go ahead. The example John gave to me about the sensing is that an extroverted sensor is generally better at sports because they're able to, 
feel like feel things out better. So like, right. I mean, cause sports is so unpredictable. Every play is different that you have to be able to adapt and feel things out, but you can, but, but, but there are certain sports. So like golf, golf feels like a sport where being an introverted sensor could actually be better because that's a very like, and basketball will be an extroverted, uh, sensor sport. Does that make sense? Does that, does that even, is that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think one way to think about this is like, you know, any type can develop skill in sports right. and can become athletic. But, um, if you are an SP, so you have that extroverted sensing high in your stack and you haven't done many sports, you're likely to be better at it than somebody who hasn't done it and is like an N or doesn't right. have that sense. Of function. <laughs> so, so it's like, right. If you're going to, if you're going to like roll up, if, if, if all the types roll up to a new sport and all play right. it and that they've n none of them have ever played it before. Yes. The SP yeah. is going to tend to be probably the best at it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course that's going to be modified. Like if you've done similar sports, you're going right. to be, that's going to carry over. But yeah. if it was like a completely novel physical yeah. uh, kind of sport, then, then you might get an advantage yeah. because the, the extroverted sensor is the best at just engaging directly with what's going on. And so uh -huh. they're not running it through the filter of what do I expect this to be like? And they're very present, unlike the N, who tends to be more distracted. Um, <laughs> they're, <laughs> so, they're, they're the most present. So I think that does tend to tend to confer a slight advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the sensor. Are you guys done with sensor, sensing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's next? Judging, right? Finally? Uh, Andy, judging has judging. judging has never been one of the cognitive functions. We we actually already did the is judging it, is, function. Is it not? Is it not? It was thinking and feeling functions. Okay, so what do we what do we what do we add now? So I, now I'm, we have the other perceiving function, which is yeah, intuition. Is so we intuition. have extroverted and introverted intuition left. That's what I meant. <laughs> I just um, get obsessed with like judging. I don't know. I just like talking dude, about judging. It's okay, man. It's okay. Fair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so extroverted go. intuition is kind of the most creative function. It's interested in perceiving kind of past the concrete details to the possibilities of what it could mean. Mm -hmm. Um and then introverted intuition is inward direction inward directed uh, so again it's a little trickier to understand but what it winds up meaning is that they're more interested in discerning kind of patterns and underlying causes behind the information that they see whereas extroverted intuition is more about possibilities and kind of free association and creativity mm -hmm. and idea generation so one way to think about this is an extroverted intuition a user might look at a picture and think of like 10 stories that that picture could represent if yeah. we're thinking about some kind of abstract art, right? Yeah. And then an introverted intuiter would maybe look at 10 pictures by the same artist and kind of discern the single story that they're mm. all kind of sharing. So people with extroverted intuition higher in their stack tend to be better at kind of seeing things from other points of view and kind of getting in other people's shoes, having multiple perspectives, coming at things from different angles. An introverted intuiter is 
gonna generally be better at like discerning what it means or like the path forward they're generally gonna feel more certain about their conclusion and they'll just have mm -hmm. one conclusion whereas an extroverted intuitor will have like 10 possibilities that yeah. could be further explored right yeah right i guess that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. um so you so so once you get this so, so you put these in your stacks of four and four the top four are kind of your yeah, you're just your top dogs, which is yeah, what you're so, named after. And so right? the way, yeah, so the way you sort this out is um, as you're going through all of these, you will have, like I said, you'll have an introverted and extroverted judging function, and you'll have an introverted and an extroverted perceiving function. And your introverted judging function will be the opposite of your of your extroverted judging function. So, for example, if you have extroverted thinking as your extroverted judging function, that means you that will pair with in your top four that will pair with introverted feeling. Similarly, if you say have extroverted mm -hmm. sensing as your extroverted perceiving function, that will pair with introverted intuition and vice versa. If you had extroverted intuition, it would pair with introverted sensing. If you had extroverted feeling, it would pair with introverted thinking. Um, so it's so this is why if you can know two, if you can know your judging function and your perceiving and your perceiving function in your top stack, then you can kind of like get the rest of it out of that because within your top four you'll have one extroverted one introverted one extroverted one introverted okay so so those are the those are the stacks and so here's my here's kind of a question i have based on so so we know vince he was on the mm -hmm. uh how to do evangelism podcast i don't know if you know vince beth but um vince would always tell me uh, he probably told you this too uh, maybe not but that like the enneagram was a good place to start but like, as you grow in your faith towards like Christ and godliness, you're going to be your your enneagram number is going to be re less recognizable mm -hmm. because you're just going to become more mature right. and like more able to see things in all different types of ways. So with the Myers Briggs, I'm wondering you have your stacks. Mm -hmm. Can those be interchangeable? Can they ever change over time? Do, does can your hero function change over time, or or is it kind of just like this is like part of your DNA and you just become better and stronger mm -hmm. uh, yeah. from the bottom up. Yeah. So the theory is that um, your letters don't change. The order of your preferences do not change, but as you mature, you kind of grow um, and improve in your lower functions. So, mm -hmm. um, so an immature person, tends to kind of really be focused in just their top one or maybe their top two functions and those other functions are kind of weak and when they come out it's like ooh, that's that's kind of uncomfortable you're kind of arbitrary about this but as you grow in maturity um that you bring those lower functions up um to a more stable place if that makes sense so this yeah. might be like like for example like um so um, Andy, within your, so you, I believe, are an ESFP, which would mean that your number one is extroverted sensing, your number two is introverted feeling, your number three is extroverted intuition, your number four, or no? Extroverted thinking. Extroverted and thinking, introverted. and then introverted intuition. So what, what I think this means is, for example, as you grow, Andy, you will become better at extroverted thinking. So what we talked about, like at the beginning, where you were kind of like, ah, I feel like I'm not that good extroverted thinking. It's one of the two that's in the bottom half 
of your top four. So it's one of the ones that's lower in your stack. So the kind of the growth path, yeah. um, the growth path in the Myers-Briggs is down the stack. So it's like all of these eight functions, which are ordered in a certain way of pref in, in a certain order of preference, your growth path is getting better and better and better at engaging in each one of these. So it might be like somebody who feels disorganized might have extroverted thinking either in the bottom half of their top of their top four, or it might be in their bottom four stack in general. So it might be like something they're just not very good at extroverted thinking. So this might be like good at like keeping, keeping a calendar or like organizing people or whatever. And as you grow, like part of what you're going to grow in is you're going to grow at using that function more effectively and being more comfortable there. Like, cause I think a lot of what this right. can feel like a lot of times is like when you're, if you're immature with certain way of thinking or way of interacting with the world or a way of using a certain cognitive function, what it will feel like is as you try to like interact with the world through that mode of being, it will feel really uncomfortable or it will feel like way out of your wheelhouse or it will feel very like yeah. difficult to do. Um, and yeah. the growth path for, I mean, this is the, the growth path of like when, when in theory you grow in being able to equally use all of the functions, the, um, the, the word that's used for that growth is quote unquote transcendence that like you have, you have grown in and are able to use all the functions sort of with a, um, with an equal amount of like ease entering in and out, but you will still have one or two that you, that you like will prefer to interact with the world with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. I, yeah. I might, I was basically, yeah. So you're just getting, I think what was helpful for me with the Myers-Briggs was seeing that bottom half as like and identifying something to actually work on, yeah. like to actually be able to see something that you, that you can be like, okay, I'm not good at that. What's the way that I can get better at it? And so I was going to, I was going to ask kind of like, obviously we haven't talked about everything, but we kind of talked about the basics and it's like, what does this have to do with faith or God or anything? What does our Myers-Briggs have to do with God and the Bible? Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily has like anything to really do with it, but I think it can be helpful in your walk with Christ. And so yeah. it has been helpful for me. So I was, I was wondering if one of you guys wanted to like, uh, and, and maybe you guys haven't experienced this the way that I have, but like explain how this can be helpful in understanding who God created you to be and what that means for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think something, I think something that this can be really helpful for is um, it can be one, I think it can help you get, it can help give you a lot of compassion for like different ways of operating that like, I mean, this is, this is in some ways similar to like Paul's talking about the body of Christ, right? Where he's like a hand, like a foot isn't, isn't a hand, isn't an ear, isn't an eye. Like they're all different things and they all serve different functions. And similarly, like in a, in a different sort of descriptive way, like what the Myers-Briggs is saying is like, hey, not everybody has extroverted thinking as their hero function. Not everybody has introverted intuition as their hero function. And not everybody has introverted sensing as their, as their hero function, you know? So it's like, I think what it, what it, what it can do is it can help you find, um, it, can, it can help give you compassion for kind of different ways, different ways of being and help you to see that they're like important important roles to be played by different people and they are like going to approach those things from a fundamentally different way um so it's not necessarily like if they don't match your same sort of like preference of how to engage with the world that doesn't mean they're bad or problematic or something like that right. you know and i think something else that's really helpful um is um 
Oh, shoot. There was something I asked. Well, I can give a good example of that yeah. really quickly. What you just said is that, like I said, kind of at the beginning of this, one of the things that frustrates me the most about John is that I'll be like, John, you want to hang out? And you'll be like, no, I have like us. Like you always have a schedule and a plan that you got to like go and do your whole life by. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dude, that is the most annoying thing ever. You have no room. But I think when, when, when do- talking through this stuff between, between us, like the Myers-Briggs, I, I, I thought that that was like actually like a bad thing in my head. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was like, that was like evil. Like, <laughs> like that is messed up and evil and you should not do that. But I think it was helpful for me to know that like, no, like God just didn't create everybody with, because we need schedules. And I kind of started to think like, what, what would happen if everybody was like me? And <laughs> if we like had a minimal schedule and everybody was just doing whatever they thought, you know, to do at the moment. And I was like, that would be chaos. chaos. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, I think that that's like a, a good example of, yeah. of just how that's helped, helped me become more like compassionate with the way that you are and why that's helpful in the body of Christ is because you have a bunch of different people and a bunch yeah. of different people have different ways of doing yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. And that, another um, verse that's kind of relevant to all this is train up a child in the way he should go. So the, the word there in the Hebrew, if I recall correctly, is raise up a child according to his bent or like his individual way that he mm. is supposed to go, which is not the same um, for every child, right? Mm-hmm. So this is very applicable to parenting. Um, if you're raising uh, an INTP, uh, even if they're doing pretty good and they're, you know, on the right path, they're never going to look like a mature ESTJ, you know? And mm-hmm. so if you if you have that <laughs> to, to draw an example between Beth and her sister, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, or especially like if you are an SJ parent and you're always, always aware of what's appropriate and the rules and the schedule and your child is just not with it. Like it's helpful to realize that they're never supposed to look like you. Like they're Mm -hmm. never going to grow into that. Even if they do like become very mature, Um, it's just a different a different way of engaging with the world that doesn't necessarily come to the same final destination. Like maturity. Yeah. Maturity like isn't the conforming to the same outcome. It's like becoming what God created you to be. Right. And I think, um, I think another thing that can be really helpful about it is it it does give you a little bit of language to talk about yourself. Um, Whether that's like sort of internally or externally, like, and you don't need to, you know, you don't need to break out like, the Myers-Briggs cognitive functions every single time you're meeting somebody new, but like it helps you have a sense of a sense of, okay, this is like, this is some of, because I have a, a little bit clearer view of the way that I'm wired and of the way of the things that I'm going to tend to prefer, like that can be helpful in explaining some of like, okay, this is why I feel this certain way about this certain vocation or about this certain person or about doing things in this kind of way. And so I think it can also help you to have a little bit of, um, like a little bit of compassion on yourself and a little bit of um, like it can help you to to differentiate a little bit from from sort of just the, the vague world around you that would say, you know, this is kind of the way you need to be. This is how you sort of need to act. Um, it can help you. It can help you by having some language in order to to explain like, OK, why you prefer to do certain things or why you prefer to act in a certain way. 
um, I think that's I think that's really really helpful in being able to know. Okay, these are the things generally speaking that I'm going to prefer to do. Now, again, I think it's helpful to not box yourself in with the Myers Briggs and be like, okay, these are the only things I'm capable of doing. It's not the case. And also, you shouldn't use your Myers Briggs as like a as a club in order to get people to stop judging you or something. Like, it's not like if somebody if somebody calls you out for being immature and then you're like, oh well, I'm a I'm these four letters, so leave me alone. It's like that's also not helpful. But I think I think the things that it's really helpful for is it can help you to to have a lot of compassion towards towards people around you and understand the value of people around you and and to help you have some compassion and and differentiation within yourself too. Um, and it, and also I think something that's helpful with this is like it's going to affect how you thrive in interacting with God. Like you're going to interact with God in a different kind of way, depending on which cognitive function you tend to use. Like an introverted thinker is maybe going to want to like dive in deep into like studying scripture. And that's going to be like, obviously like all of us are called to study scripture. All of us are called to pray. Yeah. All of us are called to, to ask for the Holy spirit to move. But like, that might be the thing that most gives them life is like, okay, I want to, I want to read scripture. I want to learn about theology. And like that, that really draws that person closer to God. And so don't disparage that. Or like somebody who's introverted sensing, like has, has their primary thing. Like maybe they're really focused on like the traditions of the church and like the liturgy of the service. And that's like, that's what that like really matters to that person. And that really matters in their interaction with God. And that, and like God's consistent work in their life, like really matters or, take any of these functions and um, yeah. and you can see how, how interacting with God with them in a different way um, is going to, is going to produce a different kind of outcome. And that's not, that's not bad, you know? Yeah. Another thing that we haven't really gotten into yet, but that I found enormously helpful with learning about these functions is that um, the fourth function in your stack uh, it tends to be one that you feel like is really important, but you're not good at it. And so this can be the source of a lot of internal conflict and angst. And there's this, there can be, especially as you're a younger, a younger adult kind of just entering into maturity there, there's this huge pull from this function that you think you're supposed to excel at but it's just not natural to you and trying to live from that place and trying to be that person instead of your top two can be very destructive. So for me, my preferred function is introverted thinking. As I've said, my last function is extroverted feeling, which is more interested in um, just engaging with other people emotionally, uh, being more outgoing, getting getting a shared emotional experience going. So I kind of had this draw to be that or to do that. And I admired that, but I but it always felt like I I wasn't good at it, right? And I couldn't and the so <laughs> and for my sister, uh, she she has an extroverted thinking hero and an introverted feeling inferior. So she thinks it's really important to just have her feelings be authentic and to understand them and to understand her values and to have everything in the right place. But she's kind of out of touch with her feelings. So she feels like she's not good at that. And when we first took the Myers-Briggs, we both tested as Fs, as feelers, even though we're both thinkers. And learning that that part of ourselves 
it's okay that we're not as good at it as other people like is, is it was really beneficial for me and learning to really kind of embrace um, the top functions and being like, oh, well, but this is my actual niche where I excel is really um, clarifying these ideas and it's, and I don't need to be the life of the party with right. a bunch of strangers because that's just not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, uh, <laughs> that's been helpful for me yeah yeah um i guess so we're like at an hour i know there's like a billion other things we could talk about sure in this um it feels like we got i i don't know if you probably said this at the beginning beth but that there's 16 of them like there's 16 different mm -hmm. forms of i don't remember if we said that or not but just so yeah people know so there's yeah there's, there's not there's eight different cognitive functions and then combined in sort of 16 different ways. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's a, a bunch more we could talk about and, and maybe we will do different podcasts on it. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but that's like the basic, that feels like it's like the basics of the personality, yeah. the Myers-Briggs personality. Yeah. So um, maybe, maybe something to start with for people is to, um, to listen through this or yeah, maybe to listen through this and to to kind of for yourself think through these different functions and think through okay what of these dichotomies so of like the introverted extroverted of each of these what are the ones that i tend to prefer and so then what does that mean for forgetting the four functions that i prefer um and then i mean we could either briefly cover now how to order those or we could or that could be saved for a different time but um, I think it's I think it's helpful to look through. Okay, introverted extroverted thinking. Which one tends to be me? Introverted extroverted feeling. Which one tends to be me? Et cetera, et cetera. And and get a sense of okay, these I think are my top four, and um, you can kind of start to start to explore from there as to the kind let's of way do, that you're going to do this. The world. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do part two on this topic because I, I just realized after you said that, that there's way more to this than what we <laughs> got to. Uh, so we're gonna do part two. Um, and I was gonna say to Beth, so, and I'm, I'm gonna say this on the podcast. Uh, so we st I started a website, optivenetwork.com. What if we put your writings on the website? Would you be okay with that? Absolutely. Okay, so here's what I'll say. Go to the website. It'll be in the link in the description and read through that stuff and read it. And so, you know, and then we'll do part two and then we'll discuss what John just said, because I'm not <laughs> going to be able to say it right now because I don't fully understand it. So I'm in the same boat as the people listening. So is that, does, that sound, does that sound good? Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan to me. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about this before we before we end it? about the stuff that we just talked about uh yeah i don't think so i don't think so no nothing yeah, i think we can okay. can save it for part two cool okay so part two is going to be coming hopefully soon um oh, yeah send that... send andy i mean we got there was a couple points that we got pretty pretty <laughs> kind of turned all over ourselves as we were trying to explain everything so yes. send andy any questions you have about yeah. um trying to clarify what's going on what is it optive network gmail.com gmail.com every time send it to me i will send a question and hopefully we can we can bring clarity to the places that had less than clarity right yeah and so beth thank you for coming on and doing this you'll be on mm -hmm. the next one if you're okay with that um yeah so thanks for coming on and doing this uh thanks for having hey. me
I think that's it. So we will. Oh, make sure to smash that like button. Smash Hit it. Subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> um, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>